Hey, welcome everyone and wherever you may be worshiping today, Saratoga, Greenbush, Half Moon, Latham, we are pumped that you are together fellowshipping, such an incredible thing to do. God uses that powerfully in our lives and also directing our worship vertically to him, our great and amazing God. He's doing so many things in our lives. And I think it's very special when we come together. And one of the things we've been doing that's been very special the last several weeks is talking about God's will. We started several weeks ago on this series, Fear of Missing Out. And that's exactly what it is for so many in our country and our culture. And it's subtitled, How to Know God's Plan. And I've got to say, uh, literally of all the series that I have ever been a part of through the years, I've gotten more positive feedback on this than any single series ever. It's been incredible. Letters, emails, personal conversations. Uh, it's been unbelievable how you've been responding to God's word. God is so faithful. When we look into his word and really seek him, he said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And there have been so many breakthroughs. Perhaps you were grappling with something where you needed a little direction, a little discernment. Perhaps you were negligent in an area or just felt kind of sluggish or stuck. Uh, I've been amazed. And so when I stand here today on this last message of the series, the overwhelming, and I mean overwhelming feeling in my heart is just gratitude. These are amazing days at Grace Fellowship, and Debbie and I are so excited to be a part of what God is doing here in this family. But as we come to this last message in the series, here's what I know. It's never done, is it? The need to understand and do God's will is never really over, right? We think it's obvious for younger people, we look at them and go, yeah, you really need God's direction. Let me tell you right now, because you've got so much of life ahead of you, you'd better tune in. And so it seems more obvious that we need to understand and do God's will when we're younger. But can I tell you, it never ends. If you're not dead, you're not done. If you're not dead, you're not done with the need of understanding and doing God's will. So that's what we come to today. Today is a day of application. Today is a day of action. It's a day when, if we've not done so already, or even if we've had some of those breakthroughs I talked about, today's a day where together we're going to carve out time to seek God and hear from what he would say to us, whether it's by his spirit directly or through the wise prayers and counsel of others. I love Isaiah 30, verse 21. It seriously is one of those verses that I just go back to over and over again, where God said, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God has promised to direct our steps, but our job is to do the walking. 
God has promised that he will give us guidance and direction toward his divine intention for us. But our job is to act once we know what that is. So right up front, I want you to know that at the end of the message, we're carving out time to pray and seek God together. There will be prayer partners at the front area, wherever you're worshiping today, whatever campus. There will be men and women there, godly people, mature Christians, ready to receive you, to spend a few moments. They want to listen. They want to really hear what you're saying, what's going on. And if you would allow them, they would love, they'd be honored to spend a moment just praying with you or discussing something that's going on in your lives. Now, uh, you can also come together as a couple and just pray on your own together as a couple. Or if you're by yourself, you can come individually and seek God. You can sit, kneel, stand, honestly, lie prostrate on the floor if you'd like. And while someone may come along and tap you on the shoulder, maybe, and ask if you would like someone to pray with you, uh, if you would prefer not, you just say, no thanks, I'm just going to pray here on my own, and they will honor that request. Now, what are we going to pray about in the coming minutes? Well, what I want to do today is to crystallize five of these key lessons or principles and how did you choose these, Pastor Rex? Did God give you a shaft of light one day? Well, I do believe he's guided this. But it's largely based upon your response. As I looked through this whole series, the nine previous messages, I, I just focused on what are five of the lessons that I've received the most robust feedback on. In other words, you said, wow, I needed that. Wow, that hit home. God really used that in my life. And I've just picked the five that it seems to me God has really used to strike a chord in our lives. So I want to quickly, and I, it is going to be ra rather brief, walk through these and then let's get right to prayer. But I want to spend a moment with each of them and again highlighting how relevant they are and inviting you. If that or anything else is, is relevant to what you're going through today, it would be an ideal reason to come and pray about that. So here's the first one. Potholes. We looked at this early, early in the series. Potholes and bumps in the road don't necessarily mean I'm on the wrong road. Wow, what a challenging principle that is for so many Christians to grasp. We looked at the story of Paul and his missionary colleague Silas. They were going to Philippi. God guided them in a number of ways to the city of Philippi and so many cool things happened there. A wonderful church was started. Paul had a special relationship with that church throughout the duration of his ministry and people's lives were being changed by the Spirit. And we have a book in our Bible called Philippians that came out of the fact that God guided Paul and Silas to Philippi. And if you study that book carefully, you'll see what a special relationship it was. This was the only church that supported the Apostle Paul throughout the duration of his ministry. I love a story like that. That's what I expect. Isn't that what you expect? 
I listen to God. I'm sensitive to his spirit. When he says go, I go. When he says here's an open door, I walk through it. I expect great things to happen. I wake up in Philippi. There's a wonderful church. There's a boatload of blessings and changed lives. Those are the kinds of things I expect when God is guiding. But as we saw, there's more to the story. It's only a matter of time when the enemies of Christ and the adversaries to the gospel begin to push back. And Paul and Silas find themselves in a dungeon, beaten to within an inch of their lives, their feet fastened in stocks. Boy, that sounds like the abundant life, doesn't it? They're living the dream, man. Barely able to breathe, and yet they sing songs of praise to God. As bumpy as that road was, they were in the very center of God's will. What a principle this is to grasp. Potholes and bumps in the road. Friend, hear me today. Do not necessarily mean that you are on the wrong road or that you took a wrong turn. It's often through the valley that God gets us to the mountaintop. And so, there's a good reason to pray. That's precisely one of the key reasons that many should come today and pray about this rough, and it is a rough time some of you are going through in your lives. I don't, I don't need to describe it. You're living it. You are on a rough road. This season of your life is not easy. Please don't miss this moment. This could be your divine appointment with God today. So please don't miss it in a few minutes as we come together and seek God in prayer. There's a second principle that just was off the charts with the feedback you gave. It's been huge. Here's how I stated it. When we cooperate with God, there's no experience that God cannot bring something redemptive out of. Now, we looked at this one as late as last week. We saw that, contrary to some popular thinking in our culture... Bad doesn't always come out of good. Last week, we saw bad, good, can, good can come out of bad. I think I said that all wrong, but you're having grace with me, right? Good can come out of bad when we cooperate with God. If you don't cooperate with God, all that is likely to come out of bad is more bad. So it is simply not true that Good always comes out of bad. That's simply not true. But when we cooperate with God, wow, he is brilliant, brilliant at bringing redemptive purposes out of even the most messed up situations. And the first time we really saw that principle in the series was when we looked at Jeremiah 18. I got a deluge of emails and comments about that. As we looked at the divine potter, and here's what we saw, that when the jar, when this vessel that he's working on gets marred, our divine potter, God Almighty, doesn't take it off the wheel and discard it. No, 
Jeremiah said he takes it and reshapes it as seems best to him. So, in other words, with God, there's no experience that God can't bring something redemptive out of. You may recall that on that particular week, we talked about David Brainerd, this brilliant young man, valedictorian of his class at what was then called Yale College, but because of his own sinful, critical nature, through his own critical words, totally inappropriate, he was expelled irrevocably from school. And although he apologized and tried to be reinstated, the school officials refused. That meant his dream was shattered. His one life goal, all he wanted to do with his life was preach the gospel as a pastor in Connecticut, his home state. But in those days, you had to have a degree from one of the approved schools. And if you had been expelled from one, the others would not admit you. He was up the creek without the proverbial paddle. His dream was gone. But as we saw, God providentially guided him to be a missionary to the Native Americans in New England and New Jersey. And through the journals that he kept, which are an intimate and sometimes excruciating account of how God dealt with him through all of this. Those journals have become the most influential missionary documents in history. They have inspired literally thousands of men and women who have given their lives in missions for the sake of the gospel. Wow. <laughs> if that's plan B, then God's plan B is sure better than any plan A you think you've got figured out. So there's another reason that we should seek God today. Because some of you honestly feel like you missed God's A plan for your life. And it's a very, it's a very real feeling. It's poignant. It's emotional. You can hardly bring the topic up without it becoming very, very tender, raw, because it's still very, very personal. And I would urge you to come today because you're wondering what that means. What does it mean for me? Am I kind of doomed to live in this sort of bland existence for the rest of my life? I think not. I'm convinced that God works through our failures and flaws and when the vessel gets marred on the wheel he doesn't discard it he reshapes it as seems best to him God's plan may be a bit different than what you expected but it will be good and pleasing and perfect and so in just a few minutes I urge you to come and pray about that that'd be a perfect thing to come and spend a few moments with someone or by yourself seeking God. Quickly, let's mention a third one. Wow. I wish I could start telling stories about this one. I got, I, I got a letter on this where, where someone shared just how real this principle was in their lives, and I got so many other emails of input. Here's the principle. God has the right to operate in my life without explaining himself. Whoa. And as we talked about that that day, and we looked at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, we looked at two classic verses. Let me quickly read them. 
One was Isaiah 55, where God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what that means, among other things? That means that there will be, very likely, many, many times in my walk with God, in this daily walk with the Lord, there'll be many times when my perspective on things is really different than his divine perspective. I better get a handle on that. That I'm not always going to understand. I cannot always grasp what's going on and what God is up to, and he has not promised to explain every step of the way. If you don't understand that, friend, as a follower of Jesus, there will be enormous, and I must say unnecessary, unnecessary frustration in your Christian life. And there will be disappointment with God. God doesn't always explain himself. A second passage that's classic is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Now, what does it mean not to lean on your own understanding? Does that mean God wants us to check our brains at the door? Is that what that calls for? Christian people are just these Faith-filled people who don't really use their brains. They don't think. You don't need to think if you're a Christian. And as we saw, <laughs> that is so far from the truth, it's ridiculous. God gave us brains. He expects us to use them. Often, Christian living requires very acute use of our reasoning faculties. We need to do that for the glory of God. Of God, but we also need to realize God has a right to operate in my life without explaining Himself. Paul makes this amazing declaration in 1 Corinthians 1 For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And because that is true, I've got to learn to trust God, my guide, my pilot, whatever metaphor you want to use, my captain, if you will. In fact, you may recall that on that day, I, 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 I used a silly illustration. Deb and I were about to fly to Poland for a missions trip, and it went awesome, and many of you prayed for us, and we were just so pleased at what God did. But remember, I said that one leg of that trip is Newark, New York, or excuse me, New Jersey, whoa, Newark, New Jersey, to London Heathrow. And I said, what if I were to walk up to the captain and say, excuse me, sir, understand you're the captain? Yes, I am. I don't know you, really, and because I don't know you, I don't trust you. I'm not sure you can really get us there in a timely and safe way. I believe I need to fly the plane. <laughs> and after he listens to my silly rationale for why 
I'm capable of doing that because I've listened to a few YouTube videos and read the Wright brothers' story. He then says, sir, I think there's some limitations you've got here. Not sure you understand really some of the basics of flying, but if you will kindly return to your seat, I promise you, we'll get you there safe and sound. In fact, you'll be there in time for breakfast. And you know, that really is the way we treat God many times. We say, Captain, uh, God, uh, Father, Holy Guide in this life, you know, I don't really know you that well right now, and therefore I don't trust you, but I trust me. But I know you're supposed to be guiding me and directing my steps. But listen, if you must do that, at least, and you owe this to me, if I'm going to trust you to guide me, you need to explain yourself every step of the way and what you're doing. But that's not the way life works, is it? And that's exactly where some of you are today stuff's going on and you're struggling with trusting God in this wow and that is so real you're not sure you can trust him and you're you're right in the middle of that you, you, you know this walk is supposed to be a faith walk right it's it's not by sight it's by faith and you're struggling in that crucible today one of the best things you could do is come and Pray with someone about that thing that you're going through. Because I'll tell you this right now, if there's going to be a healthy walk with Christ day by day, it does require trust. I mean, we've got to, over time, develop trust in our Heavenly Father that He has a good plan and that He's going to guide our steps and direct our paths. Quickly, a couple more things before we pray. There was a fourth principle that I was actually overwhelmed with how much response this got. We talked about what is God's vision for you. You remember? I referenced Paul's testimony to King Agrippa in Acts 26, where he said, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. And I ask you, what's your vision from heaven? I said, this isn't just a message for preachers or missionaries or people working in full-time vocational ministry. This is a question for everyone, welders and carpenters and school teachers and medical doctors and nurses and CEOs. This is a message for little league coaches, for neighbors and friends, for regular Joe and Jane Christians. What is your vision from heaven? God does give guidance. He's promised, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you and watch over you. Whatever your current vocation may be, God wants to guide you in that. He has a vision for your life, a divine intention. If I were you, I would not go another day, another day, without seeking him on what is your vision for my life. My own testimony, I wish you had time to tell you the whole thing, but I started living life with a capital L when I realized just a part of God's game plan for me. Suddenly, life took on a radically deeper meaning 
than ever before. So come and pray about that. What is God's direct? I don't think he usually gives blueprints, but he does give game plans. Do you know what his game plan is? Seek him for that. You're never too old. You're never too young. And here's the final one. When good plans go awry, I got to get my eyes on the road ahead. I was staggered last week by the response, by the positive response on that principle. I think I had at least 20 people walk up to me and say, that's exactly what I need. Because we tend to get fixated on the rearview mirror, don't we? I don't know if you're riding a wave up or crashing on a wave down today, but I want you to know, you cannot go through your life fixated on the rearview mirror. Oh, there's a little value in it. It gives you perspective. It lets you know where you've been. It's kind of good at times to kind of get a grip on all that God's brought you through and where you've been through the miles of life. But if you fixate on the rearview mirror, you're going to crash big time. You cannot be healthy and move into the exciting future God has for you until you quit gazing in the rearview mirror glance don't gaze glance in the rearview mirror but don't obsessively gaze in it we must get our eyes on the road ahead but I'm in a place where I need a reminder like that I don't want to be in that place alone do you I need brothers and sisters with me. I need some prayer partners to pray with me through that. And I want to tell you today, just in this moment, before we come and seek God together, some of the most sacred, and I mean special moments of my life, is when I was going through something that just felt overwhelming. I couldn't see my way through the proverbial fog of it all. And I sought a godly brother or sister, and I shared the struggle. And they were there for me. Not only did they pray, but they listened and they understood and they gave wise counsel. This is a special moment like that. And I don't want you to miss that moment. I don't know where God's taking you in your future, but brothers and sisters, I know this. Whatever your future is, are you listening to me today? God is already there. That ought to make your heart sing. He's got good things planned for you, but there may need to be some tweaking in your character, in your habits, in your mindset and perspective, in your attitudes, in your daily demeanor and how you go about this. There may need to be some tweaking if you're ever going to enter into the fullness of all that he has for you in your future. God's been burning that on my heart this week. And that's why we need to pray. Because we all need that tweaking that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Don't miss this moment for you. It's a sacred moment. It's a special moment. So I want to ask you, whatever campus you're worshiping at right now, would you stand to your feet, please, right now? Right now, just stand to your feet, all over the sanctuary, 
young and old, everybody, no matter where you are on the journey, believer, non-believer, here we are all together. And I'm going to ask our leaders to come right now. Prayer partners, would you come? Make your way right now, quickly please, to the front. And we're going to have a special time of prayer. Now for Saratoga and Half Moon and Greenbush, I want to take this moment and pass the baton to the campus pastor or the leader that's been designated to steward this time of prayer. I'm going to invite you now to step in to take over and to begin to steward the prayer time and God bless you as you do. And here at Latham, Pastor Matt Saxon is going to be here along with other leaders in our church. 